Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 63. After Hours with Father Mark Mary Ames. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast, where Andrew, David, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we're eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient, a human assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. Each week, we'll be considering a different letter, untwisting Screwtape's hellish logic, and forming a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. However, today is Thursday, and therefore an after-hours episode. And today, I will be talking with someone that I am incredibly excited to be having a conversation with, Father Mark Mary Ames. And first, a little bit of background information. Uh, He's a part of the Franciscan Friar of the Renewal, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. He was ordained in 2018, lives with the CFR community in the Bronx, uh, a weekly host of Ascension Presents YouTube channel, co-host of the Poco a Poco podcast, and most importantly, what we'll be talking about here, author of the book, Habits for Holiness, Small Steps for Making Big Spiritual Progress. And I want to start actually, before bringing him on, of how this came about and how his podcast and himself came into my life and has had a huge impact. And so I'm particularly excited for this one because, and nervous because, uh, the, the Poco a Poco podcast has genuinely had a big impact in my life. And so it was about November and I don't remember how I came across it, but I was going up to a spiritual retreat in a cabin and this was during a pandemic and I came across their podcast and started listening to one on, I don't remember the title of it, but the father's pursuit of us and I remember I'm listening to this as I'm going up to this retreat. And once you get up there, you turn technology off. And I was just, this was the last thing I listened to. And I had just felt the father's love through that to the point where I actually started crying on my way up because as many of you listeners know, the pandemic um, hit all of us hard, but I just lost a lot of my spiritual practices and just lost a lot of that joy and peace that comes from a deep and intimate relationship with our heavenly father to the point where I almost felt unworthy of his love. And so I was listening to this episode and I was like, oh. And so fast forward and uh, Leo Gallegos, who is a dear friend, did the Exodus 90 with, I was listening to his podcast and I hear Father Mark Mary on there talking about this book, Habits for Holiness. And I thought to myself, this would be fantastic to see if he's willing to come on here because we just finished the screw tape letters and We've been doing that for 35 weeks, one letter a week, just unpacking how Satan tries to pull us away from our Heavenly Father. And so much of the message I've taken away from that book is habits and virtue are so important to that battle and that spiritual battle. And with this book, I wanted to bring him on so we could chat about this and almost bring this full circle, get some really practical advice from someone who's living it out. And so with that said, Father Mark Mary, welcome to Pints with Jack. Matt, thanks for having me. It is, yeah, it's a great joy to join you. Thank you. Excellent. Well, we start with a quote of the week, and I've taken this from The Habits for Holiness, and I really love this one. It's, without discipline, there will not be discipleship. I thought that was very clever. <laughs> well, thank you. It's part of the gift of uh, of communal life. I think uh, I think that's something that's been passed around. So I, I'm not the, the original creator of it, but uh, I'm glad I could be the point guy to kind of to get this out there in the book. <laughs> I love it. And we always do a drink of the week. Um, typically, I sip on some scotch, but this time I'm just doing a spin drift because it is lunchtime. Uh, are you drinking anything right now? 
I do. I have a little coffee in front of me. I just finished. <laughs> that's why I'm sharing. I just finished a little V8 juice, uh, which was like, for some reason, I've become all about V8 juice recently. So that was that's, that's <laughs> one of the brothers just gave me a hard time about it. He saw it. And he's like, bro, that's nasty. I like it. I like it. I love it. And you know, it's kind of funny, actually, from listening to your podcast, you guys always mention how it's sponsored by Spirit Juice Studios. Honest to goodness, for the first two months, I thought Spirit Juice Studios was some sort of like juice company. Not kidding. You're not alone. <laughs> You're not alone in that. We've gotten that a couple of times. Oh, well, excellent. Well, we always do a toast here and sometimes we toast Patreon supporters, but I thought we would toast your order because it's just such a blessing to myself and I know to so many people. And so we pray that our Heavenly Father continues to use the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal every day to renew our minds and hearts for incredible for his incredible love. Cheers. Cheers. Well, let's kick this off with before we get into the book of a bit of your story of your faith journey because I have to say you Listening to you and the other brothers on the podcast, you guys just so fully are alive for our Lord. And I'm, I'm assuming there was a point when that started, you you became closer and closer and then got to this point where you are. And so I'm just a bit curious if you can fill us in a bit on your journey that's brought you here. Sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll share a fairly, fairly quick version of it. If you want to kind of get more to detail anywhere, I'll, I'll let you lead there. But awesome. so I, I grew up in Southern California, so an Orange County kid. And and somewhat from like an affluent background, kind of like a country club kid. Um, in high school, I started to get involved a little bit with like youth ministry. But the big hurdle was this, like, I just felt like, like I have this deep desire to be like dynamic and I wanted to be well-rounded. And I thought that meant that like faith is part of your life, but it's just like one part of it. And basically like, yeah, you can be Christian and you can go to mass on Sunday and you can go to youth group and you can do some like works of service, but like, don't get crazy, you know? And like, so Saturday night, Friday night, whatever, you should still be doing what other people are doing. And it was my freshman year of college. I went to Loyola Marymount University, which is in kind of the LA area and first semester. And I had this conversation with a young woman. It was like this random dorm party who said she was an atheist and I started to defend the faith. I was like, how can you not believe in the word of God? Things like that. And just the Lord rocked me. The Lord, it like hit me so clearly. And, and basically the, the word the Lord spoke to my life is like, you believe and it needs to affect all of your life. And so that, that kind of opened up the floodgates. And I was like, all right, Lord, I'm like all in and wide open, whatever, whatever you want. And I learned about, again, it was kind of like this really God thing because it was just sort of in passing this speaker at a youth, youth retreat mentioned St. Mother Teresa. And again, like the Lord rocked me. And I just had this deep burning desire that I was made uh, to serve the poorest of the poor and nothing else would satisfy. And so so that happened. And then I started learning more about the sacraments, particularly about the Eucharist and about confession. I was like, okay, I want to be a priest. Like I want to bring, bring people Jesus sacramentally. So I was looking for a place where I could serve the poor and where a place where I could serve as a priest. And it was at In-N-Out Burger. It was at In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> Um, I was probably, again, I was like, I was, maybe I was 19, maybe I was still 18 and it was after a young adult meeting and this kid, this young man who I only met that, that night mentioned that there's this group of Franciscans out in New York who are hardcore and sleep on the floor. And to my 19 year old self, it was like, it was the most hardcore thing I'd heard. It was the most intense thing I heard. I was like, okay, I'm all in. And so I went home that night, did a little web search, like Franciscans, Beards, New York. And, <laughs> and I, 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 didn't, I didn't even get like the name right. 
And I found our website and I read our constitutions, which are a way of life. And it was just like my desires on a piece of paper. Like it was my heart um, sort of written out. And basically from then it was like, if this is, if this is real, if this is really what they live, this is everything I'm looking for. And so the Lord just, the Lord did like a lot of work very fast in my life. And he made my vocation and like direction, like where he wanted me very clear. There was still a journey to get there. But I do think that was part of the grace, uh, just because I think he knew maybe actually saying yes and following through was going to be a little bit more difficult. He just made the the call very clear. Oh, that's incredible. And it makes me think of the episode I'd listened to this morning in my walk to work from the Pokwa Poco podcast, where you talk about the rich young man and going all in and becoming fully alive. And it sounds like you you had that experience where you realized this is giving it all up for this. And then you made that decision, which is just so beautiful to see because now knowing that and having listened to you guys in the podcast and just knowing how alive you guys are, it's so beautiful to see that the yes to that call has led to the fruits that you would expect that yes to lead to. Yeah. Amen. And and part of what I don't want to, to overlook is that this is what happened with St. Francis. This is what could have happened which, with the rich young man. And I do believe this is, this is the experience of my own life is that the Lord is never outdone in generosity. And and so there is this moment of 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 risk where I like we're invited to leave behind the good things we know, um, and often they're very good things, um, but like there's nothing that we're gonna leave behind that the Lord's not gonna like uh, he's not gonna pay us like repay us in abundance. And this, to be honest, this was it's it's in Matthew 19, I think it's Matthew 19:29, where the Lord basically says like whoever gives up houses or brothers or sisters or mothers, whoever gives anything up for my sake is going to receive a hundredfold. Mm-hmm. And again, in my own discernment, it was like, oh, that verse was like really powerful. Because basically what the verse said to me is, like, I can't hold anything back from the Lord because it's too good. Because what he's saying is like the goodness these things give you, if like I'm inviting you to, to sacrifice it, like the, there's, a, there's a greater goodness waiting for you. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repay you a hundredfold. And so that was like really helpful. That was really kind of a strong... Uh, point of discernment and of grace and early on now the trick right now the trick that i've been living this life for about 11 years is is to still live that way like it, it is in some ways as a young man it's like easy and it's kind of exciting to like leave stuff behind and move um but like the lord still is inviting me like every day to like to to trust him more to go to go to go more all in right and, and so that's the the ongoing the ongoing journey I love it. And was there a period, I'm curious because you hear stories like this and it just, it warms your heart and it gets you excited and it makes you, it, it makes the listener want to dive even deeper. Was there a period where you started, you went all in and let's say you weren't feeling that reward yet. And I'm not trying to say reward. I'm warming it like he won't, when you said like he repays you a hundredfold back and you start feeling that excitement, that joy, that peace, where you were almost grieving it that you thought to yourself, oh man, maybe the old way was a little bit better. Maybe this was not as good as I thought, or it was a lot more difficult than I thought. And you, and you started to really second guess yourself or did it, did the Lord just start providing those graces from the beginning? Yeah, that's, that's a really great and insightful question. And so I, I had this moment, this experience where I really, ex- I really had confidence and deep conviction regarding my vocation, particularly to be a Franciscan friar. And that was at 19. I didn't actually enter until 24. And so there was a five-year period. And part of that was um, finishing up my degree. Part of that was I did a year of missionary work. Um, but but actually, the, the it wasn't, I never doubted 
I really didn't. I never doubted what the Lord wanted or that if the Lord was calling me to something, it would be the best. But what did happen is this, is there's this funny period in my kind of early 20s where like my friend group, their life is going is going one direction, right? And so they're they're dating and they're into relationships. And some of my friends who are older were starting to get married. And I hadn't, I wasn't able to enter into my vocation yet. And so there was this space sort of like where you're kind of like, I don't know, you're kind of in a limbo. You're kind of like, you're on a journey. You've left, you've left home for another home, but you haven't made it yet. And so in that period of time, there was a tendency to like want, um, to want to like reach for goods, particularly like relationships, particularly dating, um, to reach for those as a source of like comfort in the now, because the good, what the Lord had promised me was still in the future. It was still unfolding. And so 100% in that time, um, there was some wrestling with the kind of the husband, marriage, fatherhood, uh, vocation side of things. Oh, that's incredible. I always, one quote we always like to say, I think it's from Lewis or he has a variation of it, but faith is holding on into the darkness, what you once knew to be true in the light and knowing like when you, there's times where we make this conviction, like, you know, Lord, you are, I, I know you're calling me. I know you're pursuing me. I want to make this, this decision, but then your emotions put a blitzkrieg on you, maybe a week later, a month later, six months later, 12 months later, and you go to the dark period and you have to go back to that, that moment. And when you're in the light and you say, no, I need to stay obedient because I know I made this choice for the right reasons. And it's so hard in the darkness sometimes. I speak from my own personal experience. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think we see this, right? There's in um going through like the going through Egypt, right? There was this invitation at the Passover. Like there's this invitation constantly, like to remember, like remember what the Lord did for you. Remember how he freed you from Pharaoh. And with Christianity, like do this in remembrance of me, like 100% it is a, we have this faith of remembrance. And and I think that's getting at what you're sharing is like, remember, remember who the Lord is. Remember what he's done. Remember where you're going. It's like, it's so easy to forget who we are and whose we are along the journey for sure. Oh, I love that. Well, let's turn uh, to the book. And I would love to know, to start us off with what the inspiration or motivation was uh, behind writing the book. Yeah, great. I think um, probably what I'll share is this, is I think that if you, I think most people, uh, most people, particularly uh, men and women of faith, like they look out in the world, right? And it, and it just seems like a total mess. In a lot of ways, it is a total mess. It really is, you know? And so the temptation can be towards like discouragement. The temptation could be towards uh, despair and just kind of like, and just kind of giving up. And I really did feel call, and I do feel like, uh, as a Franciscan friar of the renewal, that we have a bit of an authority or a vocation or a capacity or an anointing to speak into this, because this is kind of our story, and this is kind of like our specialty. This is our thing, right? And this is what what I opened the book up with is the story of of our order, the Franciscan friars of the renewal. We started in 1987, which for Franciscan orders, for religious orders, is, is still quite young. Um, but, and so like the Lord did this new work where he was going to begin this new order and he inspired these men, um, the, like our eight founders, most notably would be probably Father Benedict Rochelle and, and in his own providence, in his plan where God chose for this new order to begin, uh, was in the South Bronx in the late eighties and like the, the precinct and the, that, the, the kind of neighborhood had this, this reputation 
as as Apache. So the the nearby kind of the neighboring police precinct, that's what it's called, just because that that area was like a war zone and there was violence and there was um, there was gangs and there was all of this sort of stuff. There was drug use everywhere. And this is where the Lord called us. And so so these our founders, right, they, they moved to this place and they lived this life of prayer and they lived this life of community and they lived this life of simplicity and they lived this life which was informed by the liturgy and they served they served the poor and they lived out their baptismal call and they flourished and they were able to grow in discipleship and grow into holiness even though even though their environment was like a war zone. And so and so this is like this is the story, our own story. This is the story of many Christians throughout the centuries. And it's just this really solid witness and reminder that, okay, we might be in a war zone and it might be crazy out there, but that doesn't mean you can't still follow Jesus. Like holiness is possible 100%, but it doesn't happen by accident. So like, so let's do it and we can do it, but let's be intentional and let's, let's have a game plan. And again, like it is possible. It's been done for centuries and it's possible for, it's possible for for our listeners as well. I love that you started with that because I'm almost living proof of of exactly what you just said with that. Because as I mentioned, I came across your guys' podcast in November, and that was like the darkest moment I've been in probably my entire life. And I've shared this with listeners before, but I had a confession where I was with a priest and I literally was crying and I said, I'm starting to feel despair because my habits were for um, unholiness, the opposite. And I, I was self-aware enough to know that habits, when they become ingrained after a long enough time period, can really be hard to break. And so I started to get this despair that I'll never get back to the the place that I was years ago. And Lord, I'm just, I'm too far gone. I can't do this. And it was through your podcast and your book that you realize that you can, you make these small changes and you are in a battle zone. And so you're talking about a very, a, a physical one in the location, but also the spiritual battle we've all been in and are constantly in. And I think was heightened with the pandemic of lack of access to the physical, um, the sacraments and uh, those, the physical places of worship. And so it felt like a battle zone that I was losing. And when you read a book like this, it gives you so much hope that no, 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 you can, you can win this battle. It's just being intentional. It's understanding some of, cause you, you, I love how you go into not just here are good habits here. You, you talk about here are bad habits, which technology was a big one for me. And how can we do this? So I uh, just say that to affirm that that's exactly what this book has meant to me. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. So I'd love to start with here actually a bit connecting to that that quote without discipline there will not be discipleship and I'd love to talk about that relationship between discipleship intentionality but at the same time grace and salvation and a hard time kind of phrasing it but that concept of we're not like working or earning for our love for our the love of God but we still can't also just ignore these because these habits are so critical to the spiritual journey. So can you talk a bit about that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. And it is still, I mean, to be honest, I do think there's a, there's a component of it is mystery because we do know that it it begins with grace and it like our, our following Jesus, our discipleship and our growth and our, and our, our discipline, all that. It starts with grace. It, it's made possible through grace and it flourishes with grace. Like, the, like grace is in it all. But at the same time, like the catechism reminds us that like virtue and the following of the Lord, it requires real human effort as well. And and engaging our wills and engaging our freedom and participating and cooperating with and responding to the grace is, is a real thing as well, which is why there is things like merit or why there are things like um, like real punishment for sin, because our we really do 
part to play in in our in our following of the Lord, right? But grace is in it all, and that's why it's what we begin with for in in habits for holiness is it's not just step one, but it's like the foundational step. And it's like the golden thread that has to be woven through everything else is we have to be praying. Like we have to be drinking from the fountain of grace. We have to be receiving our daily bread, which is the very life of God and allowing him to live through us. But but we don't want to fall into either extreme, like this quietism or this passivism, like, okay, I'm just gonna like chill, sit back and God's gonna do it all and and it'll be okay. And whatever choices I make, don't worry, I'll be fine. But also we don't want to fall into like what Pelagianism, which would be like, it's all me. And it's all, it's like the, the harder it is, the holier it must be as well. Like, like the, there's, there's a, there's a middle road in there and that's where, that's where the truth is. And that's where the virtue is. One thing that's been helping me on this, and I don't know if theologically this is perfectly correct, but it was actually through C.S. Lewis, who then took it from St. Athanasius, who indirectly from Irenaeus as well, really early, but the son of God became man. So man can become sons of God in that, that divine life, that theosis, that transformation. I talk a lot about on this podcast. I personally have always thought of these spiritual retreat, these spiritual routines, these rhythms, this discipline, intentionality as a tool for allowing Christ to form within us, to creating that space for him to form within us, to going to, for me, daily mass and receiving the sacrament, as it says in the catechism, is, is how we receive the divine life. And then I look at that as God's still the one doing it within me. I'm just going there and saying yes to him, showing up. And then I'm amazed at the transformation that happens when I just show up with intentionality and make the time and the space for him through a daily mass or through a rosary. And it's that's how I've always thought about that. But it's not like I'm doing anything other than almost like allowing him to work within me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and it's like we say yes to the Lord and yes to his grace, not just in like a, a word, right? We don't just say, okay, yeah, do your thing, Lord. I'm, I'm cool. But like we, we say yes by actually engaging our wills. We say yes by actually engaging our freedom and choosing to follow him. Like, and, and some of the times that takes like, you know, real self-denial and real effort, 100%. So you talk about in the book, intimacy, intimacy of family, intimacy of community, and the importance of that in this spiritual journey. But then you mentioned how concupiscence can pull us away from that. And, and then you also talk about vulnerability being so important to that intimacy. Um, how do we fight that concupiscence uh, in our own life? Because I, 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 the reason I asked this for very personal reasons is I was reading it. I'm like, yeah, this is me. This is me. This is me. And I'm like, okay, I need to work on this vulnerability. But then I go, it really hurts sometimes to be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's a great question. So I think um, what I, what I want to begin with is this, is just this reminder that uh, I'm deeply convinced that discipleship is a team sport. Mm. Um, I'm deeply convinced that like all of the graces that the Lord wants to give us and our following of the Lord isn't just by us. Isn't like there is a component of it which is essential is that we're in the chapel praying, but the fullness of the grace the Lord wants to give us isn't just in the chapel praying, and particularly when we acknowledge the craziness of the world. You know, it's like it's like the whatever the, the animal from who gets like separated from the herd is the easiest to get picked off. Like we need we need to have a community with us to remind us who we are, who can hold us accountable, who can keep shining light in our own lives. And so I do think like that's step one is just um, being reminded that we're not meant to make this journey alone. Right. The Lord, from the very beginning, he called and, and created a group of disciples. Like we're supposed to be making this journey together and we need to make the journey together or we're going to have a hard time um, being faithful. And so for me, um, to, to go to your your question is 
to be honest, like in my own discernment, there was there was a period of time where the diocesan priesthood became very attractive. And the reason it was so attractive is because it seemed to be a better fit for my gifts. Um, but religious life and community life seemed to be like a better protection for my weakness. And, wow. and you know, like I just realized that if I don't have a strategic approach to taking care of my weakness, whatever my gifts are, can like if the foundation isn't strong, the whole thing can come down. And so I really did. I chose community life. And I, and I believe God called me to community life as a means of saving me. And so it's true that in community life, there's a whole lot of frustrations and there's a whole lot of, lot of it, there's inefficiencies and annoyances, but this is just part of like, this is part of how the God's saving me and God's for me in this community life. So I think conviction that this is what the Lord wants, conviction that this is for our own salvation are really helpful when we are like concupiscence is leading us towards isolation um, and, and sort of stepping away from a group because there's a cost. There really is like, there really is a cost to community life. Um, But to go back to that Matthew 19, it's like, if you choose community life for discipleship, like whatever good you could have of like your own free time and space, whatever, like um, like the the goodness that you'll receive from community is going to be a hundredfold what you could receive just kind of doing your own thing. Um, So I do think that's, that's that's a starting point. Uh, the vulnerability question is a little bit of, of a, a little bit of a more nuanced one, because the reality is um, we're not called to be, and nor would it be appropriate to be like radically vulnerable with everybody, you know. And there there is space for kind of like a slow walk into those waters with particular people, and so you don't need to be vulnerable with everybody, but but we do have to learn to be vulnerable without at least somebody. Right. And so I think there is space. Like we, we know that we want to make that journey we, and we want to go to a place where somebody kind of can see inside our lives. Um, but we can go, we can make that journey slowly, I think as well. I love that. And the reason I wanted to start with that was just because community, as you said, is so important. And for some people, maybe like myself, more introverted, it's tougher to do that. And the more you do it, the more, the easier it can sometimes become. But then when you just go through pandemic, I already find myself, there's some uh, weekly young adult stuff starting up. And I'm like, ah, my routines for the last year have been not around people and doing that. And sometimes I have to fight like that isolation mindset. And just yeah. sometimes just hearing someone speak and say, no, this is so important for you to be getting on back, tra- back on track. And so I appreciate you sharing that right now. I'd love to turn to, you use a great analogy in your book, a yeast-like life or a yeast-like faith versus a chocolate chip cookie faith. And the way I read that was, you know, chocolate chip cookies, it could be double chunk. So, you know, you could have a lot of great practices in your life that are filling up your cookie and they're tangible in their presence, but it's still not the same thing as permeating your entire life. And it's almost as you described, now that I think about it, the beginning of your journey where you were trying to have all those different aspects, serve the poor, but it wasn't necessarily fully penetrating all parts of your being. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. We've got our prayer time. We've got these different things that we set aside for God, but it's not yet the full transformation. It's not, he's the center of everything and permeating everything. And so I'm curious how you would describe what a yeast-like faith, when you are all in, looks like. Beautiful. And 
it's funny because you know I, I I finished writing the book a while ago, and so some some of the like, and I'm not like rereading it all the time, and so hearing that again, like it got me fired up. I'm like, yeah, but I totally believe I totally believe this. <laughs> like, I forgot about that. I totally believe this. Um, but just recently, I went on retreat, and the Lord was speaking this into my life again, but sort of in using scripture, the prophet Joel, like rend your heart, not your garments, and I think that's what this is about. It's like it's it's we're not just trying to add a couple of Christian practices, you know, we're not just trying to have a couple of nice, nice things that we do. And that's, and that's my fear with habits for holiness, which it's, it's not, it's, it's just that somebody could look at it and be like, okay, I'm going to put this new practice into play. It's like, that's not, that's not what discipleship's about. It's not the fullness of discipleship. Like the Lord wants the heart and the Lord wants everything. And he wants mm-hmm. us to give him this like radical, like Lord, my whole life is yours and my whole life is oriented to you. And I want you to touch and I want you to be a part of everything. And and I begin the the, the, the chapter um, that you're referring to with a, a quote from from Frank Sheed, who is like a, one of my favorite writers. Um, he wrote the book Theology and Sanity. But he has this quote, which I sort of put a different spin on, that um, oftentimes we don't just we don't have so much have um, Christian minds. But but we have like worldly minds with Christian patches, hmm. and and I think that's like sometimes we don't really have like Christian or Catholic cultures, or Christian or Catholic hearts, or or lives. But we have like Catholic cultures, or we have like kind of more worldly cultures with like a few Catholic um, patches, and and I think that's and that and that would be like a chocolate chip, right? Like that's like mm-hmm. that's like chocolate chip faith. Like, okay, I have it's it's kind of touch and it's sprinkled and it's part of my life. But it's not the the main driving force for everything, and I think it's got to be. And I think that's that's like that's um that's what the Lord's saying. Like, love me. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Like, the Lord wants all of us. Um, and, and the good news is this: it's like He went in wanting all of us and touching all of us. He wants to redeem all of us, and He wants to heal all of us, and He wants to fill all of us. And and again, like God's never out genero- done in generosity, and so every little bit of ourselves we give him permission to fill like he's going to fill to abundance and i just i i do i deeply believe this that we but we want to give the lord a blank check with our lives and um we want him to touch everything what do you what do you what are you thinking matt i love it one of the uh one of the practices that i've found personally helpful in this process is an examination of conscience at the end of the day because I find just doing that examination and reflecting on the day, even though you could argue it's a chocolate chip because it's a practice, it forces you to start thinking and seeing God throughout the day. And now after you do it for weeks and weeks and weeks, you start throughout the day seeing God more. You start offering up different things in your life. You start noticing struggles and saying, this is an opportunity for growth. This is an opportunity for me to grow closer to God. And so that's been a specific practice that I feel like at least, I hope, has made my faith at least more yeast-like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great. Like in a, a good regular examination is, is part of, it's really it's really a part of the way in which the Lord does kind of sink in more and more to our lives. Because that's the thing is um, these practices are at the service of giving, like allowing the Lord to have access to more of our lives. And so I think that's like, that's maybe the nuance is that, we want him to touch everything, but how he's going to get there are going to be through some pretty practical and, and intentional responses. But I guess to kind of put some flesh on it, 
a couple of good points of an examination would be like, for example, um, when we're when when Friday hits, like for us, is is Friday primarily the day that the weekend begins, or is it primarily the day in which we remember the Lord's Passion, mm. right? And so that that would be kind of what I'm what I'm talking about. Like Friday's still a day of penance, and it's a it's a day of penance, and it's and it's because like because we want to to really tangibly enter into this day with something as a reminder of of the Lord's death for our salvation, right? And so it's like if we tap into and live from and drink from that grace of the Lord's passion, death, passion, passion and death for us. Like that's going to, that's going to serve us so much more than just, Oh yeah, it's the weekend. I can party. Um, or I can take a break, you know? And, and so that would be like, that would be one of those things like to see like, okay, where, where are we at? How are we doing? And then the invitation, right? The invitation would to be make a step. Okay. Like I want Friday to be more of a day for the Lord. I want Friday to be a day in which I remember the Lord's death, so can I make a little practice? Can I put something into into my life that's going to help that become a more concrete reality? I love that that, co- that connects with the next part I wanted to go with this was a liturgical life. And what does it look like when you talk about living a liturgical life? Um, what does that mean, look like? And what are some specific practices that you guys have found like a liturgical rhythm in your life that have been so flourishing? Great. Yeah. Uh, there, I think there's, there's not going to be a one size fits all. I'm going to share a couple of things and the invitation is to put something into practice. And, and part of it is it's nothing new or extraordinary, but number one, I think living Sunday better. Like Sunday is the day of resurrection. Sunday is a day of celebration. Sunday is a day of rest of Sabbath of, of family, like still kind of being like grinding on Sunday and still working on Sunday. Like it doesn't make you tough. It just makes you disobedient, right? Like mm-hmm. the Lord said, like, in, like receive the Sabbath, receive the gift of this day. Um, I think so starting with Sunday is, is going to be number one. Number two would be to making sure Friday has some sort of penitential component to it. And then a couple of other things, for example, I think uh, we can't forget that we celebrate a Christmas and Easter octave, like celebrating all eight of those days. Well, um, planning our family vacations around those times, like saving up money so that we can do something special on those times, that would be that would be a great practice. And particularly like for evangelizing people, it's like, oh, you so like, you guys are having a lot of fun. Like, yeah, because Jesus rose from the dead. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> like, it, it just it just makes sense. And uh, I think I think we already do Lent pretty well, but I think we can keep doing Lent well. Um, and then lastly, would be this is. It, what it looks like, I don't know, um, for for everybody, but I do think that like the daily rosary uh, is really helpful, right? Because it, it gives some sort of direction and orientation to our day as we as we pray particular mysteries. So like the joyful mysteries give a certain um, feel to to Mondays. The sorrowful mysteries on like Tuesdays and Fridays, right? It gives a certain penitential feel. So that that could that's probably a really great starting point for most people. If they're not able to pray a whole rosary, can you pray like, you know, one decade, but, but praying it one of the mysteries. I think that that would, those are some of the ideas. I love that you finished with that because, um, I did a Marian consecration early on in my journey and it was one of the most St. Louis de Montfort's and it was one of the most profound experiences in my life and really helped me overcome um, one specific deep sin in my life. And 
a daily rosary had been a practice for so long and then I lost it during the pandemic. Despite having the time, you're just kind of like depressed despair and you lose those routines. And my co-host, David, just bought me from the Catholic Woodworker a, a little plug or shout out for them, guys. It's a fantastic organization. And he bought me one that I, it's like a, a 10 bead one that I leave on my belt and put in my pocket. So it's actually kind of showing and hanging. And I just, I like to think about having Mary, the Ark of the Covenant, bring her into that spiritual, into the battles of the day and just always having her there. And it's just been such an important thing. And I'm just so happy to have it back in my life. And I just can't for, for people who are Catholic or if you're not, you want to explore it. It's just been such a profound thing in my life. And so I love that example. Amen. The Lord gives the gift of a mother. Like, and that's a, that's a real thing, you yes. know, and, and uh, there's a lot of grace uh, through a relationship with Our Lady. I love it. Yes. And the final thing I'd add to in my own experience for listeners is the um, the tritium, tri, tri, do, tritium, I always say it a little bit wrong, but um, that has been one of the most profound days in my life. These last three, I was crying for like 30 minutes during the Easter Vigil Mass. And I just can't stress enough, like making that a priority of just setting time aside. Now I'm single, so I don't have a family. And so I'm just making sure I was going to that, going to the uh, Stations of the Cross on Good Friday. And it was just an incredibly beautiful experience. And so that's just another example of every year getting excited for that and then the Lent building up to it, knowing that it's going to be a profound experience. It makes me take the Lent more seriously. And so I've personally loved that that season. Amen. Amen. And maybe I can, this is like a random, this is kind of like a, a, a fun one, but this is kind of the <laughs> idea is, you know, like, a lot of folks are like going out to eat on a regular basis and it's like, okay, what should we eat? And there's like a little back and forth, particularly like married couples. Like <laughs> what, what if you just like looked up, Hey, who's the saint of the day? It's like, and where are they from? And let's have food like from where they're from. So it's like, Oh, it's St. Therese. Let's have French food today. Or, or I don't know who else would be like, um, who's a, who's a Spanish saint? Like, Oh, it's St. It's Teresa of Avila. Let's have Spanish food today. Or, you know, I, that could be like, that's the type of thing where it's like, <laughs> Oh, let's allow the faith to like, get so deep into our lives that we're going to adjust what we do or do not eat because of that. Right. I, I love that. I, uh, related to that, my, um, I have an individual who enjoys a cocktail from time to time. And so I bought him this book drinking with the saints. And so it literally, when you're going to make a cocktail, it gives a lot, the whole history of a saint on a specific day. And so you learn about that saint and then you have your cocktail. And so obviously guys in moderation, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I love that idea of a more fun one like that. And actually, and that's, and that's what I, I do want to highlight is like what we're talking about here isn't just more hard stuff, but it's actually, it's more like celebrating, like, because it's, it's fundamentally a faith of good news and of victory and of hope. And oftentimes we're not maybe um, tapping into that because we're not putting in the work of, of celebrating well with the church. And if, do I remember correctly when I was reading the book that you guys have a practice specifically where you don't eat sweets or something. And then on feast days, you make sure you're feasting. And so you make it very present, like, okay, there's days where you're fasting and you let you feel that and you know that and you offer that up. But then there's days it's like, oh, hey, it's a feast day. We get to celebrate and we get to do something we weren't doing. Absolutely. And I'll just kind of, the, the quick rundown is like, yeah, so generally we, we wouldn't have sweets or we wouldn't have like beer or wine, which is the alcohol we can have in the friary, except on a feast day or like, so Sunday solemnity, things like that. Um, Wednesday and Friday, we abstain from meat. Friday is a day of fasting, like the Lenten season. And there's a season in Advent, where, which are fasting seasons. But these are all ways in which to like, like really uh, tangibly, really experientially, again, like allow the mysteries of our faith to have an effect on the real stuff of our lives, like if I have a cookie or not, you know, and that make that means something that makes a difference. 
I love that. I want to come back to contentment in a sec, but I feel like this flows a little bit better to go to the next one where you have a quote that you said, the greatest in history is prayer united with sacrifice. And I absolutely love that. Uh, and so, but sometimes sacrifice can have like a negative connotation. And there could be some listeners who maybe come from different traditions and different backgrounds who their first thought might be like, okay, if we're sacrificing something, or is that making us like God more willing to give us what our prayer is? And so can you discuss that relationship between prayer and sacrifice and why it's so powerful? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the this conversation takes place. I, I kind of, I, um, I root it or put it under the, 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 the con- I put it in the context of our identity and our dignity as sharing in in Christ in the ba- the in the priestly the priesthood of the baptized. Sorry, I was like, what was my what? <laughs> I was like, what are words? Remember the words, um, right? And that, and that's a real thing is that by our baptism we're given a share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Um, all of us, you know, there's certainly those who are ordained to the sacramental priesthood, and that has its own dignity and, and sort of um, responsibility. And etc. But all of us, as the, sharing in the the priesthood of the baptized, are called to make sacrifice and to pray, uh, to to make offering to the Lord. Like that is part of our Christian call. And and the the, the quote you referred to, I actually took it from Pope John Paul II, and he's the one who says like the greatest force in human history is prayer united with sacrifice. And I think there's so much good news in that. There's so much good news in that because. You can look at who has like um, sort of the microphone, who has the most control over the media and who's speaking the loudest and and who's got the most money. And uh, and it's like it feels like uh, it feels like David versus Goliath and that we're David. But remember, like David, through his faith, like he's the, he conquered he conquered Goliath. Right. And um, and that we have this incredible power and we have this this incredible access um, to the life of God and the influence of God and the grace of God through prayer united with sacrifice. And it's prayer united with sacrifice. Those are the means through which Jesus saved the whole world, right? Mm-hmm. And that we can we can share in Jesus' own priesthood by ourselves praying and sacrificing. Um, and I, I especially share this for, for those of us who may have a sin in our own life, which we feel like we just, we don't have the strength to root out. Or those of us who might have a loved one in our life who's just going down the wrong path. And we feel like we don't have the argument or the influence in their lives to, to bring back on the right track. It's like, well, okay, that, that's true. And we want to respond and do what we can when the Lord's inviting us to. But if you can't just like have an argument and, and convince somebody to change their lifestyle, what you do have access to is prayer and sacrifice. I really do believe this is powerful and effective and something that I really want to encourage um, our listeners to put into practice. And one, again, specific uh, model for this is what I call the life novena, mm. right? Um, a novena is kind of this this time of nine, nine days where you say some prayers for a particular intention. And there's a lot of grace to novenas, right? But if you think about it, like all you're really doing in those that little novena is like you're saying you're spending like four minutes to say a prayer for the most part, <laughs> for the most part. Yes. And, and what I realized just as my, as a religious, I looked at my life and I realized like, I'm making, I'm kind of like this. I have this, this, these, these sacrifices that I'm making, which aren't just like, like one-offs, but like my whole life, like where, 
where I live, what I look like, what I do, who I live with, what I eat, all of this has been touched by the Lord. And so I do believe that there's like all of this is like kind of one big coal on which to put the prayer of incense and ha- make that a whole offering to the Lord. And so what I started to do instead of just like praying for somebody, um, only just saying some prayers for an intention for like a novena or for nine days is I said, Lord, I give you, I give you my life for these nine days for this intention and I receive whatever you give. Right. And so that would be a space where it's like, okay, now if something goes wrong, there's an extra inconvenience, there's a flat tire. It's like, all right, Lord, Lord, I receive this. I receive this, this difficulty, this frustration, whatever it is. And I offer it for this intention. So that would be something that I would invite the listeners to think about. It's like, okay, Lord, Here's this intention. Here's my loved one who's struggling. I'm going to live these next nine days for this person, right? And perhaps you can make a small sacrifice, uh, like, in t- like added sacrifice. But for the most part, like if you're living, if you're following Jesus, like I'm going to, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say the hard yeses for these n- nine days for this intention. And so that means like, uh, when you want to gossip, you don't gossip, right? Or when you want to do, um, when you want to misbehave in this way, like you don't do it like, okay, I'm going to choose fidelity and I'm going to choose fidelity as an offering and a sacrifice for this intention. I've just seen lives change and I've seen, I've seen, I've seen pregnancies happen in places where there was infertility for seven years. Like I've just seen the Lord respond to that in, in really beautiful ways. I love that. And just a little funny story around that. I was reading this book. So when I was in Chicago a couple weekends ago for the retreat, I spent a night with my, um, good friend Alessandro and shameless plug for listeners to keep promoting it. He's, um, he's one of the co-founders of Hallow. And so check out that Hallow app guys. It's fantastic for the prayer life. And he was having back pain and I was just read your book on the life novena. And I was like, Alessandro, this is your chance to offer this up, offer it up for an intention. You need to be doing this because he was in such lower back pain. So I kind of weaponized it against him as a fun little joke. Mm-hmm. But, but I do think what, what you were, there's something to it right? It helps to remember that there's meaning in our, in our little sufferings that we have, right? Like it's a way to bring meaning to it. And so we're not gonna be like, okay, the Lord like smited Alessandro with lower back pain <laughs> so that he would start to pray for some particular intention. But the whatever the circumstances of life allowed him to have back pain and allowed people to have this struggle or that struggle. All right. Like, can you, can you re- just live that receive providence as it has, has, has um, dealt you the hand receive it and say, Lord, I receive life. And I'm now like in these difficulty and the situations I wish were different, Lord, I'm going to, from this place, just love you and worship you and, and offer to you this difficulty for a particular intention. And it brings like power and it brings meaning in, into these difficulties. And I think it's Fulton Sheen who, who basically like laments how much wasted suffering we have. Mm. And again, like and what, what I focus on, and I really do believe, is like for most of us, we don't need to add a lot of like little penitential practices. We just need to receive better the difficulty that life has already given us and offer those to the Lord. I think I think most of us already have enough enough struggles that, that we can offer to the Lord. I love that. Let's circle back to, you had a chapter on contentment. And Great. I'm really particularly curious about this because it's, it's so critical in the journey. And I struggle with this in every aspect of my life. I struggle with it spiritually, physically, materialistically. And maybe spiritually, it's a little bit more okay because it's always like, it's never enough. I need to be more spiritual, do more. But there's a point where it's kind of dangerous and physically, materialistically. 
And so it's such a tough thing when the world's constantly bombarding you. And so I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, what are some of the practices that we can cultivate uh, to develop that contentment in our own lives? If, if we're someone that might struggle with materialism, vanity, wearing certain clothes, making sure we come across a certain way and just not really ever being content with enough. Great. And, and uh, I do use the word contentment uh, in the book and I, and I take it from our own uh the friar's own legislation. But I do want to like understand like uh, contentment, it can feel a little bit new agey. Like it can feel like, you know, it can feel a little bit like Eastern, whatever. And it's like, okay, hold on. Just, just I want to kind of root it into maybe some more classical language yep. of um, like this, this would be the chapter essentially where I am uh, talking about and proposing, I'm talking about the Franciscan vow of poverty, right? Um, which generally for the laity is an invitation to like gospel simplicity. So what it's going to look like is going to be different. And, and our simplicity and our, the Franciscan poverty, um, we should want to like, it's not just to do difficult things and it's not just um, to kind of be hardcore. It's at the service of intimacy. Mm. It's at the service of intimacy. It's at the service of relationship because we have a limited mental space. We have limited time. We have limited resources. We have limited things to think about, right? Um, and so the more that we're chasing after stuff or achievements or this or that thing that's a material thing, well, the less time, the less space we have uh, for the Lord. And for example, I, I had a little conversation with like some some young, they were like college students who were kind of doing their own podcast. And so I, I jumped on there and joined them. Right. And I, and I talked with them about the fact that we're, the friars are able to pray about four or five hours a day. That's part of our, our daily schedule, but also, you know, um, college students, uh, I think like the average screen time is around five hours. Maybe it's a little <laughs> bit higher. Right. And so this would be the contentment. It's like, do you need to be like on social media or on t- like watching TV or streaming for five hours? Um, or could you maybe cut it down to one hour, you know, and now all of a sudden you have four more hours in your day. And if you're like, I oh, don't have a time to pray. It's like, well, hold on. Like, let's, let's take a look at what you're doing. Um, maybe unnecessarily. And if we can, we can cut back on that a little bit, be content with watching one episode instead of binge watching, you know, a series, and now we have all this new space, which can be at the service of friendship. It can be the service at family. It can be at the service of prayer. And so um, contentment is kind of what I would call like the, the ability to say that's enough. Like we just, we, we need to cultivate the capacity to be like, okay, yeah, you know what? That's good. All right. I got, I got, I got this salary going. Okay. That's good. I watched this game. Okay. That's good. I scrolled for this long. Okay. That's enough. Um, because we have to do that intentionally. Because otherwise it's not going to happen. Like, um, so contentment is that. And, and the language that we use is the friars are to be content with the minimum necessary, not the maximum allowed. Oof, I like that. To be, to be content with the minimum necessary, not the maximum allowed. And, and again, what that's going to look like for a lay person is different than for us. But that's, that's, that's the idea. And I like how you use the word enough. I've actually, since reading your book, when I'm on Amazon and I'm buying some stuff, do I need this or is, is this enough? Or when I'm thinking of, I even had this, actually, it's funny. I was just on a trip and I was with some um, people fishing and they had some gear that honestly just looked more like fishing people. And I don't look like a fishing person. And I was like, oh, I really want to get that for next time. So I fit in and look more. And I'm like, you know, do I really need that? And your book made me think, 
I don't need that. That's just purely for vanity perspective. I've got clothes on my back. Yes, I look like an outcast right now, but that's okay. And so I do love that just the thought of contentment keeping on the front of your mind forces you to ask that question a lot more frequently. And that's absolutely. And this like, so these are some of the practical things would be like, okay, you, you need to like remodel your kitchen or something like that. Okay. Do maybe, 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 you know, discern it, make the remodel, but then you don't have to keep remodeling your, the rest of your house. Like get, get the house where you want it to be. It's like, okay, that's good. This is enough. As opposed to like, okay, I'm going to fix it. Like there's another thing, another thing. Uh, I'm going to go on Amazon, right? That's totally, that's totally a thing where we get in trouble with. It's like, oh, there's new, there's new headphones out. There's new speakers out. Mm-hmm. All right. These are better. I'm going to more, more, more new TV. It's like, can we just can at some point, but okay, no, I'm good. Yep. <laughs> you know? And I think that will be at the, it's at the service of certainly peace at the service of relationship. And we just, we can get in trouble if we keep kind of chasing after the next shiny thing. I love it. And my final question with the book related, and then get a little, and one brief one on the Poco a Poco is you use, you have this quote, and I think it's a perfect way to bring the book discussion to a conclusion. Leaving sin behind is not a matter of sincerity, but one of strategy. And I want to, I'm curious your thoughts of how we can begin building the strategy. And I wanted to finish with this because I bet there are a ton of listeners. And I even said this in my own life. I know I desire deep intimacy with God. Like I can say that with peace, but then so much of my life doesn't seem to fully resemble that. And I know it. I feel shame. I feel unhappiness, discontentment. I'm like, I really want this. And so I love how you say it's not sincerity when most of us listeners probably have it if we're listening to a podcast, a Christian podcast, but one of strategy. So can we talk a little about building that strategy? Yeah, I think it's something that we, when we hear it, it's like, oh, of course that's true. But but maybe if we haven't heard it said explicitly, we we just kind of forget that it is like as, as myself as the penitent, but also as a confessor, often why people are bringing the same sin again and again and again, again, it's not a lack of sincerity. Like they go to confession, they make a good confession and they're really sincere or I'm really sincere about leaving this behavior behind. But then in a week or two weeks or three weeks, it's back. It's like, what's up with that? Because I was sincere and I was, I was all in on this radical change and it didn't happen. And so that's where I was like, you know what? Like, I do think it's, we don't so much have a sincerity problem as a strategy problem. And that's because we just maybe don't have a strategy. It can feel uh, inauthentic to think that our following of Jesus needs some sort of like intentionality to it. But I, I think if we're paying attention to our relationships, like it's really, if, if you want the family, your family to like grow together and to really be united, like one practice of strategy and intentionality, like, okay, we're going to have family dinner and like, we're going to make this a priority. Cause if we don't make family dinner, make it a priority, we're just going to keep running and doing our own things. And we're never going to have like that, that sort of strategic space to be together. And so that would be, that would be kind of the thing. And so some of the areas where, where we want to have renewal, I think in strategy is some sort of prayer plan. It's like, okay, I want to, I want to pray more. Cool. That's awesome. But like, if you don't, if you don't like set some time for it, chances are life's not going to just like lead you into a a space for prayer. And right. The catechism says like, we're not going to pray at all times uh, if we're not praying sometimes. And so like some sort of strategy for prayer, some sort of other people along with you for the journey. Like, I think that is one of the strategic problems that gets us in trouble is that um, we think the Lord is going to give us the grace we need for the fullest fullness of our conversion 
again, just in the chapel. But sometimes the added strength we need and the added support we need is actually by bringing somebody else into the situation. And um, so I do think like, okay, strategically, we want to have intentionality with prayer. Strategically, we want to share our lives with, it can be one other person, it could be a couple other people, but we want to share our journey with somebody. And then some other things like, again, like um, simplicity, paying attention to what we are, um, we're, we're watching, things like things like that. One little side thing for people who are listening to this, because it's interesting, you guys mentioned this on a podcast. It might have actually been the one in November or shortly after on Community, but I, because I came here to this pandemic, I have no really close Catholic community here. And I was really struggling with that. And I realized how important it was. And you guys just said on the podcast, and I remember this, you know, pray to your heavenly father to bring that person in your life. And I thought to myself, why have I never thought of that? Like, why yeah. have I never thought, hey, God, I would really love someone that could encourage me on the Catholic journey specifically. I've got some really wonderful Protestant friends from growing up here. Uh, but just really wanting a, a, a Catholic brother that can go with. And um, I've been bringing that to prayer. And so I just love how you guys shared that. Amen. And, yeah. Amen. And I think that's that's such a, it's true. Because I uh, that comes from a, something I said to somebody that I forgot to say to somebody. Or for <laughs> I forgot I said to somebody. It's like, so it was, it was a buddy of mine. He's a few years younger who, was a, who played baseball in college. And it was in college that he had his conversion. And he was talking to me about whether or not he should be, he should go back to school and join the team again because he had no like faith community there. And I don't remember saying this, but he told me a few years later, I said, like, yeah, you just got to pray, ask God to send somebody. And so when he went back to the university, the very first mass he went to um, was the very first time that focus, like, do you know, focus, mm-hmm. um, that focus was on campus and they were all at mass. And so then he went and like, he just saw that so clearly as God's answer to prayer, like God sent these missionaries to his campus. And so he got connected with focus. He became a missionary. He's getting, I'm getting ready to do his wedding. He's going to get married to a focus missionary. Like oh. he prayed for the Lord to send somebody and the Lord deeply desires. I think the answer to that prayer. Step one's always prayer. Like whatever we need, we don't have to do it alone. Let's, let's ask the Lord for help. I love that. And the final thing I'll say around that for listeners, because this was in your book and I thought it was really beautiful. And this fits with like two other things in my life from the spiritual retreat and this book I'm reading from a professional perspective called Atomic Habits. Start with the question, like, who do I really want to be and what do I really desire? And then ask yourself, is your life lining up in a way that's leading you towards that? You know, I've been asking myself, who do I really want to be as a father, as a husband, if, if that's what God has in store with me, as a leader in the business community, in a church? And then I'll look at some of my practices and I go, well, if I continue this for two, three, four years, that's definitely not going to be putting me in a very healthy spot to do this. If I continue this, and that simply points out to you the things that are leading you towards it and away from it. Amen. I love that. I actually was just given that the book, Atomic Habits. So I look forward to checking it out. <laughs> Oh, it's it's perfect timing. God always seems to bring s- yeah. singular messages in my life at the same time from your habits of holiness to my retreat. We just did a rule of life to then this atomic habits. I'm like, all right, God, clearly you're telling me something here. So I'm working on it. <laughs> I love that. Can you share real quick a little bit about the rule of life? Yeah. So the retreat is, it's, it was like a nine quarter retreat and it's just been, it's so much, it's actually a non-Catholic retreat. I think I'm the only Catholic there, but she takes a ton of practices from the Catholic faith. And so it's all about developing these sacred rhythms for Christ to form within you. In our very final retreat, this ninth retreat, she pulls from Benedict, the rule of life in the book, and essentially really tells us to do this exact same thing you wrote in your book. What do you really want and what do you desire? 
write that out, that mission, and then start taking inventory of your life and asking yourself, what are the practices that are leading you to it? and what aren't, and write those down and build that rule of life out of how you want to live, how you want to be, how you want to treat people. And um, it really just hit me in a profound way. And I started to do that and put these lists out. And I'm trying to be strategic because it's easy to say, here are the 10 things I want to do and the 10 things I need to cut. And you're not going to do that overnight as we know. And so I'm like, all right, here are the first things I want to work on. And for me, technology, an unhealthy relationship to this. I need to get this out of my life. And so first focus on this and then do some other things. And so to, it was very big on that. And it's just, it's been a beautiful way. And it starts with that, who do I really want to be? And you'll see this in Atomic Habits. He actually argues, don't try to fix your habits first. Try to fix your identity saying, I'm not a person that does this. And then create the systems that a person who you want to be would do. And then the results will kind of come in place. Amen. Can, can, um, can I speak into that? Oh, of course. In, in two ways is, is number one, um, are you familiar with John Dewar's measure what matters? No. So John Dewar, uh, it's a, kind of more like one of these atomic habits books, like a kind of like a, a kind of a, a very popular business book. He got in on the gr- the ground floor of Google wow. and um, basically helped them through like a goal setting technique. And it's it's for business. It's 100% for business. It's a way to get kind of like alignment to set kind of clear goals and a way to communicate them. But when I read that, I felt like for the spiritual life as well, like it was a really great way to have like direction and focus in our own formation. And so like, I think that book is a great, would be a great sort of tool to look at like, okay, there's all these things I'm trying to add or take away. How can I, how can I actually kind of like focus and have Mm -hmm. success in it? Cause like his whole thing is, you know, ideas are easy executions, everything. And that's, I think the same thing with the Christian life. Like, oh, I want to change all this sort of stuff. Sweet, awesome, <laughs> but like, but with, but we actually want to leave them behind, right? Like that's actually the goal. Yes. And again, it's allowing strategy to to serve um, our sincerity for for yeah for fruitfulness. Um, so anyway, that's just John Dewar is it's a really good book. And then the last thing is is this is this this rule of life and that this retreat. That's one hundred percent what I'm talking about, and that's one hundred percent what I hope this book is at the service of. And this is the strategy that I want to meet our sincerity. And if you look around, I really do think there's something to this. Like if you look around at like religious, if you look at like monks, nuns, friars who have been around, you know, for seventeen hundred plus years, and these are the people who have like all in become like students and experts in both humanity and spirituality, right? And it's across centuries and it's across, uh, it's, it's men and women, it's in different cultures, all this sort of stuff. If there's anything that all of these groups have in common, I'd pay attention to it, <laughs> you know? And there's not a single religious order. There's not a single um, monastery. There's not a single convent which doesn't have like a rule of life or a rhythm of life or some sort of basically game plan, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's, I do think that it's just good humanity. I just think it's good humanity to have a plan and a rule of life. It's, it works for business. It works, it works for sports. Um, and it works for discipleship as well, because it's part of that, that, that humanity, uh, it just good humanity at the service of good spirituality. Mm. And if listeners, you guys are hearing this and you're getting excited, Definitely check out the Habits for Holiness because it will help so much with that. 
I wanted to just invite you to speak just briefly about the Poco Out Poco podcast, because as I mentioned, listeners, that has been so transformational to me, and I am not an avid podcast listener. Uh, and so this is probably the number one podcast I listen to the most frequency, multiple times a month. And it's just hit me in a beautiful way. And the way I think about it is, you know, I've listened to Pints of Aquinas, Love It, Counts of Trent, um, some of these other Catholic podcasts, and they're they're wonderful in theology and great guests. But you guys, like it's 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 coming from the heart in a different way. It's just it's blends the head and the heart in such a beautiful way. And so I just love you know just a little bit about how that came about, the journey it's been. You guys have blown up into tremendous success. And you know how did the title Poco Al Poco come about? Great. Uh, and I guess the podcast happened by accident. Um, like <laughs> the best 100%. things always do. <laughs> And all of the, all of my my if you will like my digital evangelization all of my media stuff really happened uh, by accident, um, and so with this podcast I'm our director of communications, and so that's kind of that's my role. And I was talking to these three other friars about creating this podcast, and we're like getting into the details and like uh, all the kind of the stories and the themes and all that sort of stuff. We had our team, and this woman reaches out and she's like, "Hey, I really love like your Sense Presents videos. I'd love to like support you. Is there anything you need?" So yeah, we're trying to start a podcast. So she gave us all the podcasts. She like donated the podcast equipment. And so then I like, I went to these guys like, okay, we got the stuff. Like, when do we want to start recording? And they're like, oh, you you were serious about that? (laughs) Like, like they were like, no, I don't think we can actually commit to it. I don't think we can actually do it. And so I had podcast microphones and stuff, but I didn't have any podcasters. And so I asked, um, originally Father Innocent and Father Angelus. I'm like, hey, like, you guys want to do this with me? Um, and so that's how it, that's how it's, that's how we started. We've added our fourth kind of regular guest, Father Pierre Toussaint, Father PT's with us on it now. The name Poco Al Poco, it, uh, it's actually like pretty deep and it, and it has a pretty deep meaning. Um, that technical phraseology, uh, came from one of our brothers. I lived in Honduras for two years as a friar and, uh, we run a medical center there that gives free care to the poorest of the poor. And it's really a beautiful work called the, the wait, St. Benedict Joseph medical center. Hmm. But people come from like four hours away, right. Just to, just to come and receive care at this, at this medical center. And so part of the thing is that there is a period of time, like where they're waiting. And so they're outside and they're waiting to be seen. And so one of our brothers would go and would like minister to them um, every day. He'd just go and he'd like sing some songs with them and he'd pray with them and try and encourage them. The hard part was he didn't speak Spanish and uh, he just couldn't, he just couldn't learn it. And so he learned this phrase, um, somos peregrinos, like we are pilgrims, uh, poco a poco, vamos a llegar. Little by little, we're going to make it. And then he's like, donde paraíso, where? heaven. And it was just this, it was like this little way of just encouraging the folks, like just keep going little by little, poco a poco, day by day, yes by yes. Um, and, and we're headed somewhere. Like we're, on, we're, we're pilgrims on this earth and we're headed to heaven. And, and why we've taken it to be something like it's kind of part of like uh, sort of the, uh, the informal like slogan of a lot of our media work is um when our order became what's called pontifical, which is like kind of the full maturation of religious order back in 2016, the decree from Rome said that the, the friars, whatever, like it's called the friars to give a witness, prophetic witness, that life is a pilgrimage to the Father, um, made made possible through the Holy Spirit of faith, hope, and charity. But life is like we're called to, to remind the world um, that life is a pilgrimage to the Father. Like we're pilgrims on this earth, and little by little, poco a poco, um, we're going to get there. So that's, that's where, that's where the name came from. 
what a way to kind of wrap this up because I think that's a beautiful message. We're talking about those habits for holiness. Listeners, there's such an encouragement, but there also might be in a bit of intimidation of getting to, let's say we have an end goal. I mean, there's really never an end goal. You're going little by little, but you have an idea of where you want to be and where you're at. And it might be intimidating, but realize that little by little, make the small habits each day, those small changes. And I would definitely recommend the book and I would recommend the, the podcast. Check that out, guys. It's super encouraging. I loved it during Lent. Remember this one episode where you guys were talking about going out into the desert, but I think it was more like the woods. And um, I just remember it being very encouraging of Christ is really emptying you and pushing you in your limits and stuff. And so I've been encouraged by so many different episodes. Um, so listeners, go check that out. Well, Father Mark, we can't say thank you enough for coming on the show. So before we sign off here, where can people get a copy of your book, find out more about you? Obviously, we've talked about the podcast, so they know they can find those on podcast apps. Um, this The Franciscan Friars Renewal, like, um, where can they find out more about all this stuff? You can pick up the book at ascensionpress.com slash um, holiness. That's quite, that's, that's quite a flex. That's quite a title, right? Like, oh, by the way, <laughs> slash holiness. All right. Um, so I think that, that would be kind of a great place to begin. And, and we're working through the book on our podcast, the Poco Poco podcast. And so we're making kind of a long, slow journey with it. So if you want to pick up the book and be accompanied, you can, you can listen to the podcast as well. Probably the next, the next really where we drive a lot of traffic is uh, we do use kind of our social media, our Instagram as kind of like a website. And so if you want to get kind of the latest, um, probably go to the Instagram CFR underscore Franciscans or franciscanfriars.com. And uh, you can find everything you need from there. Awesome. Well, Father Mark Merritt, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, can't, literally can't express it. This this conversation went even above my expectations. And I had high expectations having hearing all of the Poco a Poco stuff. Well, thank you, Matt. It really was a great joy to be with you. And I think it's because like um, you're doing it. You're putting in the work. You're living it already. So it was great just to be kind of able to talk with somebody who's who's on the same page and the same journey as I am. Oh, well, I appreciate those kind words. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. Um, Please join us next time when we'll be going further up. And further in. Cheers. Cheers.